Good morning, everyone. How are we? Man, I, I love, uh, I got to sit outside uh, like I do most weeks and greet folks as they come in. I got to do it with Beth today. This was her first Sunday serving in our greeting ministry. It was so fun to get to, to welcome all of you. Um, specifically, man, it's just so fun to get to know like some of the folks in here. I'm like, oh, I don't think we've had the chance to meet yet. And they're like, oh, this is my first Sunday. You know, like three or four of you today. This is your first Sunday. Um, welcome. We're not going to put, no. I mean, some people get really awkward about, they're clapping for me. We're really excited you're here. We're very mellow here. My wife isn't, you know, overly clappy. That wasn't, that wasn't her. That was some weirdo. Um, okay, uh, to the task at hand. Uh, welcome, like I said, we here at Collective over this fall have been going through a series that we've been calling Wisdom's Way, Finding the Good Life in the Book of Proverbs. So we've been looking at, specifically right towards the middle of the Old Testament is this book called Proverbs. It is a book, a collection of wisdom. And today, in chapter 8, if you want to turn or tap your way there right now, today we get to Proverbs chapter 8, which many, uh, in reading on on different writings and commentators, scholars on Proverbs, um, all regard Proverbs chapter 8 as not just the crown jewel of the book of Proverbs, but, uh, as one scholar put it, the most exquisitely crafted poem in all of the Bible. So we've got like a very mellow, you know, Sunday ahead of us. Not a big task that I haven't been up all night, you know, wrestling with. Really chill. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to read all of Proverbs chapter 8 today. And then what we're going to do is um, I'm going to kind of point out some of these big moving pieces of what's going on and how this fits into the larger story we've been in. But then we're going to make our way through kind of a chunk at a time and kind of unpacking exactly what's happening in Proverbs chapter 8. So, With that being said, why don't you join me in standing as we read from the scriptures? Once again, for those of you that are new, we stand when we read uh, from the Bible here at Collective. This is a way like raising our hands in worship, kneeling in prayer, of with our bodies identifying that when we open this book, when we're reading from scripture, there's something different happening than than what we read, you know, the the rest of the week. This is different than Twitter, praise God, right? Uh, This is different than than anything else we come into contact with. So let's read Proverbs chapter 8. I'll pray for us, and then we'll, we'll get into our time together. Proverbs 8 opens. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, there she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men, or or, O humans, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight. To him who understands and write to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and my knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you desire cannot compare with her, with wisdom. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what's just. By me, princes rule and 
and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me, filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. And when there were no springs abounding with water, before the, fountain, uh, the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, all of it, I was brought forth. Before God had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit so the waters wouldn't transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily right there by his side, delighting, rejoicing before him at all times, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in humanity, the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, watching beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Mic drop. Let's pray. So, Father, here we are with Proverbs chapter 8. And, and God, today I feel uh, ill-equipped to unpack and, and to teach, to preach all that's here, uh, not for a, a lack of preparation, but, God, because of the fullness of it. I just, I, it is uh, incredible the amount of uh, truth and power and goodness and wonder is, is all crammed right into this, this one chapter. And so, God, my prayer is, is uh, in some sense, God, not that I would even preach all that's here today, but preach what we need to hear today. What in Proverbs 8 um, have you set before our community, before our people, and God, not even collective as a whole, but those of us that are here on this Sunday, God, those in the seats before me, what have you prepared in Proverbs 8 for us to hear? Speak, we pray. Amen. Well, go ahead and be seated. So in the story of the Bible, humans, uh, you may just looking outside, you know, on the news and maybe even just outside your, your window, uh, humans are actually these incredible creatures, counter the evidence. Uh, these, these incredible uh, creatures that have been tasked by God, going back to the first page of the Bible, created and tasked by God to be his royal partners in this world. Uh, his royal representatives, this idea of, of every single human being, being like a king and queen, partnering with God and ruling and and, and reigning over his created world, taking this created world and bringing order and flourishing and peace out into all of the corners of creation. This is wrapped up in what it means when we as Christians say that we believe that every human being is made in the image of God. This language of image of God is not simply about how you physically look, about God's nose or God's ears, but about us reflecting the personhood, the creating, ordering goodness of God. This is what it means to be human. 
But to bring about that ordering work, it requires every single human to choose. Will they live by God's wisdom or our own? And that is the decision before each and every one of us. And the book of Proverbs, as we've been in the past few weeks seeing, is trying to bring that decision right before you and I, where we can't dodge it. We're thinking about it in new ways so that we are forced to confront that decision. Will I partner with and contribute in this image of God work, of creating a world of order and peace and flourishing and goodness? Or will I lean on my own understanding, trust in my own wisdom, be wise in my own eyes, and in doing so lead not to order but disorder? See, the book of Proverbs has been trying to set this before us. And while most of the book are these little short sayings, as we've been looking at over the past few weeks, the first nine chapters are seeking to set that decision before us through this poetically, symbolically told story. You'll see kind of the map of it behind me through these two characters. The book of Proverbs opens with you, the reader, being placed in the shoes of this person called my son. That is who is set before you. And in those first two chapters, you come into contact with two potential uh, brides, two potential ladies to be known both of them out on the town, both of them inviting people to come and know them. One is Lady Wisdom and the other is Lady Folly. And in chapters uh, three through four, we have this, you know, as the, my son, we hear from the wise father, his recommendation, do you want to find the good life? Do you want to find the life of ordering and flourishing and peace and goodness? To go back to that image of God language. Then what you need to do, my recommendation for you is marry wisdom, pursue wisdom, delight in wisdom, find her as the thing that you chase after. That she will offer life and stability in and through you. And then last week in chapters five through seven, he then warns us of foolishness, of folly, of of wickedness, lady folly, that, that this is more than just bad mistakes and dumb ideas, but this seductive but deceptive allure that's kind of baked into something going on within the world. And that as we chase after her, as we wander after folly, it will ultimately lead to disorder, chaos, destruction, not just in our own lives, but out into the world. And so these two contrasting pairs of of women, of folly and wisdom, have been set before us as potential um, um, spouses, potential brides, potential life partners for you. Who are you going to marry? Who are you going to give your life to, to promise yourself to and give your whole life chasing after? And it all bakes it down into a black or white decision of foolishness or wisdom. And so last week, after that strong warning in five through seven of of warning us to to run away from, from Lady Folly, He gives us this way out. Where do we go from here? Okay, I don't want to be a foolish person. I don't want to be a dumb person. I don't want to mislive. I want to be someone who gives myself fully into what it means to be human. How do I do it? And the Father said in and around chapters 5, 6, and 7 to delight in Lady Wisdom, to call her your intimate friend, to, to marry her, and to allow wisdom as you spend time with her for who she is and what she's all about to become the sweeter song that drowns out the invitation of foolishness, to go back to the tale of Orpheus playing the song on the seas with the sirens from last week. And so here in chapter eight, what we just read, it would make sense that now what we find here is that sweeter song. Proverbs chapter eight is that invitation of how do I not chase after folly? How do I not do stupid? Proverbs chapter eight is bake this proverb into your heart, 
engrave it on your eyelids and work this deep within yourself so that whenever the seductive allure of stupid comes before you during the week, you have something set right before you that's reminding you of that sweeter song. And what we could title that song or this invitation is uh, Wisdom's Wonder. Uh, This is a little bit less Sesame Street than my original one, which was Wisdom is Wonderful. And I just felt like Elmo was going to come up halfway through the sermon and be like, W, wisdom. Like, and so just, no. So to bring this all together, okay, how does last week, if you've been with us compared to this week, as you could say, if last week was don't wander after folly, this week is but wonder in wisdom. And that this is how you ensure you don't stray after the seductive allure of stupid in your life is by delighting in, wondering in wisdom. Now, the problem with the word wonder in our culture is that when I say wonder, it immediately brings to image uh, your mind things like white bread, 50s sitcoms, and the latest in the countless superhero movies that are constantly coming out. Is there anything really wonderful about Wonder Woman when she's just the latest of the offerings of Hollywood, right? Every week, there's a new superhero that I have to like get on up with their origin story and figure out who they are. No? Okay, I'm alone in that. Sorry. You guys have all been reading comic books since you were four. So anyway, the whole point is Wonder Woman is, in fact, really that wonderful compared to all of the other superheroes out there. And Wonder Bread is, is literally white bread. It's what we use to talk about something that's bland <laughs> in 1950s sitcoms. So when I say wonder and wisdom's wonder, I'm talking about, in its true sense of the word, the experience of amazement, of, of coming into contact with the miraculous, Something that brings out us to want to ponder, a curiosity, that kind of leaning in and looking closer, that captivating, that mind-blowing sense of something. You probably have going, you know, just picked on Hollywood a moment ago, but you probably have some movies that they've done this for you, that they, you leave the theater and you're thinking about it for like the rest of the day, after the rest of the week, mulling it over and processing and thinking about it. These are some of the best Movies. Some of them, like Christopher Nolan movies, were like, it's like a fool's errand in trying to figure out what we just watched. No, Tenet? Anybody? Don't tell me you get Tenet figured out. That movie was a mess. Anyway, um, so the whole point is, is wonder, though. That's what Proverbs 8 is going for here. Where Proverbs is so often, we talk about it like this practical book of instruction. Proverbs chapter 8 is not so much focused on your hands, like what you do with your life. That, that's in the weeks behind and the weeks ahead. Today is about your heart. It's about your mind. It's about stirring up within you a delight and a wonder over wisdom that specifically now is, the, is the, the seedbed for a life lived apart from foolishness. So let's go back to verse 1. Let's start to unpack the expansive wonder of wisdom. Let's just, let's just see what's going on here. Look back with me in Proverbs chapter 1 where it opens, Does not wisdom call? Doesn't understanding raise her voice? And then it lists on the heights beside the way at the crossroad there, She takes her stand beside the gates in front of town. At the entrance, she cries aloud. After warning us of Lady Folly, the call to marry wisdom, the father now says, okay, I want you to marry her. Go find her, and this is where. He kind of opens the front door, and he points out, she's over there. Go find her. But what's interesting is that repetition of all of these different public places. She's not just on the heights. She's on the heights beside the way. And not just on the heights beside the way. She's on the heights beside the way at the crossroads. There's this like threefold thing, and it does the same, beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals of the door. What is going on with this repet, like that she's, it's just, do you feel the like, the punch of that? That she's out in the public, she's out in the street, she's out where she can be found. The book opens, or the, the chapter opens with wisdom's 
accessibility, that, she is, that wisdom is not hidden or a secret thing that you've got to go find. She's readily right out there in the streets. You can find her out there. This continues in verse 4 when she begins to speak. When she says, verse 4, To you, O men, or just O humans, I call, and my cry is for the children of man. That is any and all human beings. Wisdom's invitation is for all humans. Now, here we are, 21st century. We go, no, duh. Of course wisdom would be for every single person, invitation. But if we hop inside Ryan's little time machine for a moment and we go back to the time of Proverbs being written and we look at the wisdom books written by other cultures in and around the time of Israel, we find how wonderful and radical what we just read is. You see, when you look back into the wisdom literature of Babylon or Egypt, wisdom, wisdom was exclusively for the ruling class. Specifically, those royal advisors, think priests, pharaohs, and kings. Wisdom was not for everyone. Wisdom was specifically what was given to royalty so they could be royalty well. You can go find the uh, instruction of, let's see if I say this right, Amenem, oh my gosh, it's, it's Egyptian. This is not for me. Amenemope, Amenemope. And the whole thing is it reads like Proverbs in the first couple of chapters. It's this ancient, thousands of year olds Egyptian wisdom document. And it reads like Proverbs at times. But as you read through it, you don't find any of this to all I cry for everyone to hear. This is exclusively for men in the ruling class, literally on top of the pyramid. So Proverbs here, you have this immediately wonderful, radical accessibility that wisdom is for everyone. And this is, this is baked into the fact that not just those on top of the pyramid are the royal image of God, but every single human being. This is the thing that was captivating me this week is that all of our talk about wisdom is wrapped up in all of our conversation and talk about what it means to be the image of God. What it means for you and me to be God's partners in the world, ruling and like reigning in this earth, creating order and goodness through our work in our lives, in our communities, in our relationships. Then wisdom is how you image God. And so it would make sense that that was only and exclusively for those on the top of the pyramid and in the biblical worldview where every single human is a royal representative of God, of course, wisdom is for everyone. And so it's not simply for those on top, but it's for everyone. But though it's available to everyone, it's only found by some. Verse 5 says, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Do you notice the, the big portrait? Every single human being, you, I'm calling out to you. Who are the ones that get learned by wisdom? The fools and the simple. Wisdom seems to say here, to, to pull from Jesus, come to me all who are simple and foolish and I will give you rest. I will give you a, an intentional way, prudence. I will give you common sense. Here we find this, this wonder that's found that the wisdom of God is wrapped up in the grace of God. This is the thing that causes us to think through, because most of our thoughts about wisdom is it comes at the end of at least four years and at least a decade of student debt. The wisdom comes, and specifically it's for those who have the education, who have the mom and dad that could pay for all that, or have the mom and dad who could help with homework to ensure that they could get the scholarships to get into all that. The wisdom is not something that's available to all, but it's available only to, we still believe that wisdom is only for those on top of the pyramid. And wisdom here says that not only is it available to everyone, it's actually to those who are willing to look in the mirror and look at the hard reality of who they actually are and where they actually are, and not who they want to be or where they want to be. 
The only requirement for wisdom, for finding wisdom for you and me, is the, the, the humility of answering the roll call of simple and foolish. Present. That's me. See, this is the wonder of the accessibility that for us, we kind of branch over this because as long as you can get the scholarship or get somebody to pay for something, as long as you can you know, do the internship, you can go find the skill of life, the wisdom. And, and this is, we, we have to go back in the time machine and realize that our thoughts about the equality of everybody having access to anything starts with every single human being being the image of God. This is the wonder of it that causes you to, we're, we're being curious, we're pondering, we're looking in. Because as she says in verse 7, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. This radical equality of wisdom that she is for anyone who knows that they need her and desirously are searching after her. Those who find the wonderful accessibility of wisdom, what do they discover? In verse 6 through 11, she says here, for I will speak, she says, noble things. From my lips comes what's right. My mouth utters truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. You cannot find wickedness in my speech. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They're straight to the one who understands and right to those who find knowledge. So take my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels and all that you desire cannot compare with her. That's like the third time in Proverbs so far that we've heard that. Wisdom exceeds anything that you can desire. Anything you can desire. See, God's wisdom, it's just what this says here in verses 6 through 11, is God's wisdom can lead to a wonderfully captivating, priceless life. Of healthy relationships, being a person of moral integrity, being able to discern what's right and wrong and justice in the world, finding yourself within a fruitful, a stable life. Wisdom can give you and offers you all of the stuff that gold and silver can't buy. Over the past uh, kind of week, week and a half, here in Collective, for those of you that know, we've had uh, two young men within our church. I say young, they're, they're my age. Uh, two, so it's a young man. Uh, two men in our church, um, uh, one who, who uh, suddenly lost his mother and, and one, one man that uh, lost, lost his dad over the past week. And man, as I've been talking with and even just kind of following in the conversation and praying over these, these two men, there is this stark clarity that death brings around the value of, of a life, of what you do with your life and who you are and what are you remembered for and what are you remembered about and what are those memories that people cherish when they think of you as they look back on their time with you, what were the most valuable things? And talking with them about their mother and their father, you find the wonder of a good life as they talk through this. That those silly things that we so often get preoccupied with, the gold and the silver or the Bitcoin or whatever it might be, these are these silly things in the comparison that at the end of your life, what are you remembered for? And wisdom says the very things that shape a wonderful life, I have in my hands. If you trust me, if you come with me, more than anything you could desire, you'll find them within me. This is so important to her that she's repeated this throughout the book of Proverbs. And here she says it again in verses 18 through 21, if you jump down. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. She turns up the volume, even fine gold. I didn't know there was a difference. And my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of the righteous, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me, filling their treasure. She repeats herself. Anything that you could want in life, I have 
the exceeding abundance of that and even more than you could even imagine. One addition, though, here in verse 19, I just want to point out, though, is that she says, my fruit is better than gold. Not just my way, but my fruit. So here, let's just, um, this is, we're going to put this in our back pocket for next week. Back in chapter 3, verse 18, wisdom identified herself as the tree of life. And here we have her identifying that she has fruit that you can eat that will offer you the good life. So we'll just wonder, right, ponder. We'll throw that in our back pocket, and we'll come back to that next week. But let's jump back to verse 12, where we learn that wisdom is not esoteric mysticism, but is wonderfully practical. Whatever you think when someone says God's wisdom of whether that's, you know, <laughs> tarot cards or horoscopes or some kind of, you know, uh, crazy, you know, prayer service and, and some kind of prophetic thing of this is God's wisdom to me, this is, it's incredibly practical. Look in verses 12 and 16. Who does wisdom dwell with? With prudence. This is an in- intentional living is the, is the word. I find knowledge and discretion, discernment, being able to determine what's right and what's wrong. The fear of the Lord. What is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. It's, it's not you know, simply wrapped up in you falling on your face and some kind of spiritual mystic event. It's you hating evil. It's you despising pride and arrogance in the way of evil. You, you hating perverted, crooked talk. Wisdom says, come to me. I will provide you with advice, counsel. Sound wisdom is the word for success in life. I have insight. I have strength. And then she turns it up. By me, kings reign, rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. I mean, we're immediately captivated by the the expansive practicality of what wisdom is offering here. This isn't just me coming in and shaking the, the magic eight ball of who should I marry, where should I live, what work should I do, and then God's wisdom is, you know, try again later. Or that it gives us the answer. This is a practicality, this expansive breath of, of not in, an, in, a, in a magic eight ball or in an otherworldly, you know, mystical ivory tower, some ancient library that you've got to find it out. It's, it's, it lives right down here where we live in a world of evil and pride and arrogance and perverted speech. This is where wisdom meets us. But what do all these practical things have in common? In verse 15, I think we have the key, uh, at least I would argue is what it is. Where it says that by me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. That word decree there is actually the Hebrew word for uh, to carve or to engrave something. So by me rulers carve what is just. The image of what it's pulling from is in the ancient world, the ancient kings would, looking out at their city, out at the land, they would confront chaos and disorder and injustice by, think like the Ten Commandments, carving into stone laws that then they would use to, this new law now confronts the disorder, brings order and peace and justice through the carving of justice into the stone. This goes back to week one where we talked about God's wisdom as being a tool for carving not just order, but our little Eden, little Eden places out of the chaos of our lives. It's a tool. Wisdom is a tool for carving order and peace and justice out into the world. And so what Proverbs 8 says, what wisdom is saying here is when you see wise laws being brought out into your land, where there's some kind of law that's made, a a, a justice that's done, you are seeing wisdom at work. Even if they don't know it, wisdom says, I'm right there. I was the one. I was the tool they were using when they carved that into the law. When wise rulers do this, they are tapping into what it means to be the image of God 
bringing order and peace and goodness out into the world in the midst of its brokenness. Now, when we then come back to the rest of the surrounding verses and all of its practicality is what we could say is that when humans are living with prudence and with knowledge, with the fear of the Lord and insight and justice and strength, the right use of power, goodness me, there's a whole sermon there. That wisdom will lead us in the right use of power. That when we do this, when any human lives with the right use of power, with wisdom and insight, they are tapping into wisdom, into God's wisdom, and with it, the image of God. And what Proverbs 8 is inviting you and I into is not just to tap into wisdom, but a full, total, practical carving out of goodness and order and wisdom into us and then through us out into the world. Does this, does this the metaphors, I, I know we've got like multiple layers of like wisdom as a lady and now she's a tool and we're carving not just into stones but now into me. The whole point is wisdom is the tool that carves the image of God into you and then you as the image of God, you are, you know, like you could say, that, that stone that is lifted up and sent out into the world that then brings more peace, more order, more wisdom as you've been carved into yourself. I remember with all the carving talk, and a friend, uh, he, just, he thought this was the funniest thing in the world, maybe the most interesting, but he was at a farmer's market and he's walking around and he came across you know, one of these little booths and this guy just had hundreds of different sizes, all of these little intricate wooden ducks that he had like whittled and carved. And just, you know, the feather details and the beak and the little, you know, they've got, he's just like, these things are incredible. And so he goes up and he starts talking to this, you know, this old man there that's, you know, carving away, whittling away at these ducks. And he just, you know, how do you even begin to do this kind of stuff? Like, he's just looking at the, the wonder of the duck. And he's just, curiosity, how do you do that? And this old man, you know, just kind of laughs. And he goes, easy. I just carve away anything that doesn't look like a duck. <laughs> and wisdom is how we discern what the image of God looks like. Wisdom is the, is the way by which we look at what doesn't look like a duck, what doesn't look like the image of God. And that's why those examples are given here. Evil, pride, arrogance, the way of evil, perverted speech, what doesn't look like a duck, right? Now, here's the thing. Wisdom now, in this framework of what wisdom's giving us and what the wonder of this is that wisdom is less about telling you what to do. Wisdom is less about telling you what to do and more about shaping you into who you are, shaping what you are, from there then shaping what you do. Now, what I mean by that is some of us have been reading through Proverbs, doing a proverb a day as we've been making our way through this series, and there are for some of us, some of the Proverbs here are like, one of them is like, don't move your father's, like, the, the, the border stones of your land. And it's like, I, I don't have those. Like, I, you know, <laughs> like, is that like... You know, not to do, like, you know, in my condo, like, don't move a wall without talking to my neighbor. Like, what is, like, slowly taking over? What's, what's going on here? We have to remember, Proverbs is written in a particular time in a particular place, and yet the invitation is, as we meditate on it, this shapes us into a sort of people who are wise. Not that we're checking off the boxes and doing what the Bible says are wise things, yes, but shaping us that we might start applying wisdom in ways that the, the authors of Proverbs never could have imagined. We start reading Proverbs about our talk and the voices that we listen to, and we start talking, thinking about it in terms that, like, nobody in the time of Proverbs could ever even imagine, right? The whole point is the book is, wisdom is meant to shape us more than just instructing us and giving us ten commandments. Wisdom wants to shape your character, who you are, 
And then you start applying wisdom in ways that the Bible may not even speak to. This is the wonder of it. This is the curiosity, the pondering of there's something going on here more than maybe I thought wisdom was. But what's incredible as we move into the, the next big chunk of the poem is that wisdom's it's not just practical. God's wisdom is woven into creation itself. It's not just practical. It's not just seen among the kings or the prudent or the knowledgeable. It's woven into creation. Verse 24. Wisdom says, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, she keeps going on, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills were brought forth, before you know, earth with fields, dust, before the heavens, the skies above, before anything was there, I was there. Now notice what I love right here is when he, uh, the, the word that shows up right here is when he, I think it says drew a circle in our, in our translation behind me, but it's, it's that word, remember the king's engraving, or carving into the law. It says when, when God carved, when he engraved a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit so the waters not might transgress his command, and then here it is again, when he carved out the foundations of the earth. So you see there's this play that our, our translations, because we don't know what to do with the carve language, they're trying to make it helpful for us, right? But in so doing, we see the connection between the same carving wisdom at work with wise kings is the same wisdom at work within polar bears and the skies and the sea and the land. And the wonder here is, is what, what Proverbs 8 is trying to do is it's coming back to Genesis 1, the first page of the Bible, where in it we find that God created the heavens and the earth and by his speech, what was formerly formless and void by the end of the chapter is formed and filled. Proverbs chapter 8 retells that story not as him speaking, but him carving like a king, looking out of the, the you know, primordial mess and chaos and waters of non-existence. And he sits down like a king and he writes out what order looks like and its skies above and the sea below and the land being held up. This is his wise ordering rule. So that ancient, and they're doing this obviously within an ancient understanding of the cosmos. You can see the, the drawing a, a big circle, right? This is an, an ancient understanding of the world with foundations literally holding up the land. But again, we can totally rework this within a, you know, modern sense of how we understand the world now. We could say with wisdom, God carved out the, the gravitational orbit of all of the planets of our solar system. With wisdom, God uh, orbit, you know, drew, he carved the orbit of the moon, the, the way that the atoms dance around one another and bind and conform. All of these whole processes were, were God at work within his wisdom. That same wisdom, when you see it at work in justice being dealt out rightly, power being wielded well by humans, Proverbs 8 is saying, it's the exact same power that literally is what's holding all of your atoms together. All of the miracles and the beauty of life, it's the very same power at work. So the, the first wonder here is this invites us into a way of living with the world that even amid the disorder, and it's absolutely true, we've talked about this and we will continue to talk about how do we live in the tension of an ordered but disordered, a good but broken world, but even to the point of what Proverbs 8 is trying to take, talk to you right now, is that in this world, God's wisdom is magnificently displayed if we have an attention to it. That there is a source of delight within our world, as Proverbs herself says uh, later on in the chapter. 
that seasons and laughter and children and food and Indian food in particular. I went to Cali Tandor on Friday, and it was heaven. In Culver City, anybody? Cali Tandor, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's so good. Uh, that was from April, who that was from Josue, but Cali Tandor. That we, we live in a world that there is a wonderful grain and fabric built within creation of delight and goodness. And Proverbs is wanting to say, remind us, in the midst of the disorder and the brokenness, this is actually a really incredible world. Just go sit at the beach and just watch the waves come in. And like the fact that there's a science behind what's happening doesn't negate the beauty and the wonder of like, they just do this all day. And sometimes they come up and then they go back down and then this is all intricately linked into um, the wildlife and the animals that live here and the sea and the moon is connected to this. And then when this is happening within certain ways, humans make these things that we ride on, those waves with. Like there's a wonder to creation that's been set before us here. And Proverbs is trying to say, yeah, you live in a delightable world, a world worth delighting in. As Romans uh, chapter 1 says, Paul writes that, that God's, uh, his, his invisible attributes, namely his power, and we could insert in there his wisdom, is clearly perceived by his created world. That if we spend time to slow down long enough, maybe we need to escape the city to do it. At least just for a little bit. That if we take time, we pay attention to the plants in our backyard and the birds that are flying around us, to the people that are in front of us, the gift of food and wine and friendship and laughter, that if we spend our time actually focusing here, we see God's wisdom woven into the fabric of creation, a world that didn't have to be this way, and yet it is. And what's so profound here, the great wonder of it all, is that same cosmic carving tool that God used to carve out Adam's to carve out elephants and platypuses. I don't know what he was thinking with that one. That same power is being offered here in Proverbs chapter 8 to you, for you to tap into, for you to carve and build your own life with. So to go back to Genesis 1, how, how does your life feel? Do you feel formless and void? <laughs> Do you feel like a chaotic mess? unshaped, unformed, and unfilled with the life that you want. The good news of Proverbs 8 is the same wisdom which was able to take out of nothing, create stars and sea, and I keep talking about elephants. They're my daughter's favorite animal right now. Trunks, the wisdom of God, the wonder of God. Trunks, they're incredible. Just a big nose, but it's so, uh, okay, sorry, we're getting sidetracked. That same wisdom, which was able to take out of nothing, create everything, is the same wisdom that's available in inviting you and saying, okay, you feel like you're a giant mess. You feel like you are not where you should be, and you aren't, or maybe you're here, and you're like, I don't know who I am and where I'm meant to be. Proverbs 8 is saying, you are exactly God's cup of tea from page one. <laughs> he delights in going, all right, unformed and unfilled, let's get to work. And so the invitation is that same cosmic power that's at work in creation can be at work within your life. But the wonder of wisdom doesn't stop there. It continues into verses 22 uh, and then throughout. Um, but man, okay, I Proverbs chapter 22 and 23, this is all so packed. These couple of verses, what we're about to read here, have set off about the personal nature, the wonder of the personal nature of wisdom. 
no, no fewer than hundreds of thousands of books over the past thousands of years. Jews and Christians alike have been looking at these passages trying to figure out what in the world is going on here. There's interpretive keys that how you interpret one word completely change. Like, it's a huge and entire, it's so compact, and I'm going to do my best to just give you kind of my very basic, you know, at 39 minutes in, what we can, what we can get out of this. So if you want to geek out about this, come and find me later. For the rest of you, this will actually guide us into our week. Proverbs 22 and 23 says this. Think about wisdom. The Lord possessed me, or the word is brought me forth. It actually can be used the word for fathered. Or, or it's, it's literally the word for to, the, the, the product of birthing pains. Me, at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. And then it goes into what we just read a moment ago. And then at the end of verse 30, it reminds us again. Then Proverbs is an eye was beside him like a master workman. That can be translated as either um, master workman. This is what I'm talking about. It's a mess. It can be translated master workman continually beside him or like a young child. So what's the breadth of what's going on there? Uh, many think that it's actually a play on, it's trying to get all three of those in your mind. I was beside him like a, continually, like a was, master workman and like, like, like a child. I was daily his delight. So he's delighting in, in wisdom. And wisdom was rejoicing before him. Rejoicing not just in God as the creator, but in what God was creating. Not just the world, but specifically it ends with wisdom is here delighting in humanity. So wisdom, here it comes together, is not just a tool for creation, and it's not even just the purpose of creation, but wisdom here personified says it's, a, it's an I. It is a, a preeminent person over creation. This person who, as it says, brought forth, flows from God's very self, is God, and yet is, as it says, like a workman or constantly child, however you want to use that language there, is distinct. Wisdom is a person who flows from God's very nature and yet is distinct from God. This is the wonder of it, that literally thousands of years, Jews just scratching their heads over, what in the world do we do with this? This is a personification, but this is a personification like no other. This is something else is going on here. What Genesis 1 called God's speech of him just saying, let there be light and let there be the sea, let there be fish and humans and let there be... Genesis 1 called God's speech, Proverbs chapter 8 poetically personifies here with Lady Wisdom. And it's this incredible portrait of someone who is the very carving tool of creation, but is a person themselves. They are what creation is all about. They flow from God, they are God, but distinct from God. This is the language that the Apostle John would open up his gospel, blending all of this together when he introduces us to the word. John chapter 1 behind me says, In the beginning, Genesis 1, was the word, and the word was with God. If we just, I'm gonna pause. If you just replace it with wisdom, it's like we're rereading Proverbs chapter eight, isn't it? And wisdom was God. Wisdom was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. What is wisdom said all throughout the book? I am life, the tree of life. And the life was the light as opposed to the darkness, the folly of darkness of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, known as the child language, full of grace and truth, grace and truth. 
For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through the word, Jesus Christ. John takes the same categories of Proverbs chapter 8 and Genesis 1, and he wields them all together to talk now about Jesus Christ, who, as he says in this, is more than an incarnation of Lady Wisdom, is the incarnation of, of God himself. Borrowing this language of, of understanding that Jesus, as the Son of God, is, is flows from God's very self, that is God, and yet distinct from God in his... This is all the... This is, this is, this is the seedbed of Trinitarian theology, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all being one God. And so John takes up this language of Genesis and Proverbs chapter 8's imagery as, as a starting point to talk about Jesus, but then at the end we saw to talk about the arrival of something greater, someone greater. Because more than wisdom that just carved creation, or we could even say more than the wisdom that carved the law with Moses, Jesus here, we could say, carves grace and truth. Something, the arrival of something more than just wisdom incarnate. Grace in our folly and truth in his wisdom. And this grace and truth, more than, than wisdom, more than the power of God created, that, that created the heavens and the earth, in Christ, who is the wisdom and power of God, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he is not just creating the heavens and the earth, but he's reconciling them again. See, Paul, so Paul borrows from all of this in Colossians chapter 1. I told you this was a lot. He says, he is the image of the invisible God. Image of God language wrapped up with wisdom. See it? Okay. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. Proverbs 8 language. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. Remember when kings rule well, that they're tapping into the divine, right? Here we go. All things were created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now we're moving into new territory, that Jesus is more than just Lady Wisdom. Not just the firstborn of creation, but the firstborn of the dead, talking about his resurrection. I'm, I'm geeking out right here, and I feel like I'm all alone. And he is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He is more than Lady Wisdom. He is the fullness of God in human form. And through him to reconcile, to bring order, to bring peace to all things by himself in all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus fulfills all of Proverbs chapter 8, and he exceeds it. As much as, yes, you need to know Lady Wisdom and follow after her and find all this, Jesus shows up to the scene and says, I've got this all figured out before you even got here. So come to me. And so because he's the fulfillment, but also he exceeds wisdom, everything that we just talked about throughout Lady Wisdom here is true in its most fullness and exceeding abundance about him. The accessibility of wisdom that it's available to you no matter where you are, no matter how your week went, and you feel like you can't get it together. The goodness is not just that wisdom is before you, but the grace and truth of Jesus is before you. The value of wisdom that you can live a life that's worth living is set before you by Jesus, but not just a life worth living, a, a truly valuable life, one that includes the hope of the resurrection. That Jesus offers you not just pie in the sky, hope of the resurrection, but practical wisdom for how to live today. 
that he invites you to, to meditate on his word, not just in Proverbs, but in all of the scriptures, and to see that it's all about his practical way of life that he's inviting you to tap into with him. And that Jesus, the wonder of which we could spend the rest of our lives and should thinking about, is that Jesus is this cosmic power by which all of creation is being created, currently held together, and being reconciled in Christ. That's, that's, that's worth a walk. That's worth a meditation. That's worth a, a, if that is the sort of wisdom being set before me in Jesus, this is more than just someone offering me a good example to live by. Or a ticket to heaven when I, this is, I mean, this is where it is. At some level, it's practical, but it is this esoteric thing we can't get our mind around. Jesus is the very fabric of creation when it's wired within wisdom. And when we live with, the, with Jesus, we're living with the grain of reality, with him. But the good news is not that he's just some distant idea, but the, the, the personal wonder of Jesus is a personal presence made available to you and me. We personally get to know that cosmic king. And he's made himself available to us. And when we follow Jesus by wisdom, we are tapping into, because he is the image of the invisible God, our own human calling of being image bearers once again, of joining God's project, that ongoing project of ordering and reconciling the world, of creating spaces and communities of peace. Or as Lady Wisdom ends, verse 32, as we wrap up. And now, O oh sons and daughters, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my way. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. And then the mic drop. All who hate me love death. This is the wonderfully captivating um, essential choice that's set before. This is where we began. The essential choice set before each and every single one of us humans is will I live by God's wisdom? Will I follow Jesus and contribute to the ordering, beauty, and justice of this world, the reconciling work that Jesus is doing of reuniting heaven and earth together? Or am I going to live selfishly? Am I going to wander after folly of my own wisdom and pull creation and myself back into the chaos from which it came? The, Proverbs pulls no punches. There's no gradient here. It is a yes or no decision that we have before us. Wisdom or folly. And this is one that rides with us throughout the rest of our lives. We, we don't make a one-time decision on this thing. This is the decision we make every single day. Will I continue committed to wisdom, to Jesus, Will I see my life through the lens of bringing order and peace and goodness into my life and into my neighborhood, into my community? Or will I take the easy way out of trusting my own wisdom, of thinking selfishly, doing what's right in my own eyes? It's the decision that's set before every single human being throughout the Bible story and even today. And this is exactly what Proverbs chapter 9 is going to detail as, as a little bit of a spoiler. It invites us to see ourselves standing with Adam and Eve before the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and bad. That they didn't make a decision necessarily just for us, but we with our lives have that same decision before us. We don't have to wait for next week. The question stands before you and me today. Which will we choose? We have seen here the wonder of wisdom and Jesus is waiting for our answer. Let's pray.